Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Graham. And on today's episode, we have Kara. Kara is a homeschool teacher, nature lover, amateur baker, bookworm, and mama of five incredible children. She shares that starting a family has shaped her in many ways, and one of the most significant was the discovery that she has a serious passion for birth. Kara's own birth experiences were transformative, and she hopes to be a positive influence to women who are embarking on this same incredible journey. And I hope you all enjoy the episode. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Kara. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, So wherever you'd like to begin your story, please share. Okay. Well, I think it's fitting to start with my birth and what I knew about birth before having my own kids. I wasn't really around birth a lot growing up. My mom told me my birth story. I might have, you know, heard short snippets of my siblings, but that was about it. that was, you know, my only exposure to birth growing up. My birth um, was probably the most dramatic out of my, me and my siblings. I have three siblings. I'm the oldest and everything was great up until I believe it was around 38 weeks. I flipped and went breech and put my mom into labor. And her doctor said, all right, come in for a C-section since baby is breached now. So that was pretty intense for my mom um, and my dad. You know, that's not what they were anticipating. So that was kind of a big deal to have to change gears at the last minute um, and go through that. But besides that, yeah, I didn't really hear a lot of birth stories growing up. Um, Really my biggest introduction into the birth world was my first friend who started having babies. She is only a couple years older than me, um, but she had her oldest in a hospital. And I want to say only a few months after her oldest was born, uh, the business of being born came out. And I know a lot of stories start this way. Um, she watched it and we were close enough that she was just so uh, interested in learning more and, uh, kind of the story that they told there. And so she made me watch it and, um, I just kind of got involved in, you know, the process with her as she started to learn more about birth. And she really went, started this journey of, um, kind of like natural living also at the same time she was making her own cleaning products, um, being really mindful of what she and her family were eating. And so we were living completely different lifestyles. She had started a family and 
was really educating herself on all this stuff. And um, I was working at a restaurant, partying, all that stuff wasn't really on my radar, but at the mm -hmm. same time, she was such a close friend and I just really felt her passion and zeal for all of this, that a lot of it was rubbing off on me and, and I was really starting to take interest in it. So fast forward uh, five years later and I find out I'm pregnant with my first. My husband and I had been together about four years at the time. It was, uh, as I'm sure it is for most first time parents, very, uh, almost like an out of body experience. Um, when I looked at that first pregnancy test, I do believe I took probably, I used probably three tests. <laughs> don't we all? Yes. The first time. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> Even though we know, like you said, I got to double check. <laughs> totally. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was totally just an out of body experience. I, it's just a huge feeling to discover that you are growing a tiny human. It's just insane. Um, I will never forget that moment for the rest of my life, for sure. It is, it is a very crazy start to motherhood. Um, so yeah, that, that was really amazing. I, um, to be honest, we weren't, we weren't planning on starting a family yet at that point. I had been uh, doing the fertility awareness method and for a couple of years, I had uh, decided that I had started to learn more about birth control and decided that I did not want to continue to mess with my hormones um, the way that the birth control does. So I had switched over to fertility awareness method and it had worked, it did work great for us um, until mm -hmm. I found out I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, that's another story. I, we had gone on, um, this really amazing backpacking trip and uh, as incredible as it was, it did put some stress on my body and kind of threw off some, some readings and uh, my cycle a little bit. And um, at the time it was overwhelming, but as time went on, it was, it's just become a really beautiful start to my daughter's story and our family's story that it started with this amazing trip my husband and I took. So, yeah, had that crazy surreal moment, found out I was pregnant for the first time, had the exciting moments of telling my parents, telling his family. Uh, it was a ton of fun in the beginning, just, um, yeah, he, it was the first grandbaby on both sides. So there was a lot of excitement there. And my friend who I spoke about already, she had gone on to have her second and we had both moved from Georgia to Oregon. And she had had her first home birth with her second. Um, Oregon's different from Georgia. Uh, insurance does cover it out there. So um, you can go into your home birth midwives office and have these visits and then they come to your house and that is just all covered. Mm -hmm. uh, it works a little differently in Georgia, not covered out-of-pocket expense and midwives just have it set up differently here. But that was after all the educating she had done for herself. It was uh, a pretty easy decision, I think, for her to make that she wanted to have her second one at home. And I had, you know, we were super close. So I'd really kind of been along for the ride with that, uh, hearing about all these visits with her midwife, 
um, hearing her birth story. We got to visit right after her daughter was born. And so when I found out I was pregnant, I uh, very quickly got in touch with her same midwife and uh, interviewed her and started the process uh, to educating myself for my own home birth. I, uh, yeah, I'm, she already knows this, but my story is really so tied up in hers. I, I can't imagine the trajectory of um, our family and my births and just my story if I hadn't had a friend who had had a home birth and really helped with, you know, the beginning of my education. Um, so I interviewed my midwife. I really loved her from the beginning. Uh, but not only did I love her, my husband did too. And that was really important to me because even though I had done my due diligence and kind of learned a lot about home birth and read stories and watched videos, he hadn't. Mm -hmm. And when I introduced the concept of home birth to him, that was something he had never heard of before. Um, I mean, maybe he'd heard of it, but it was not something that had ever crossed his mind as a possibility for his family. So, you know, we had to talk about it a lot in the beginning and um, interviewing her was really a lot more for him than it was for me. So the fact that the very first midwife we interviewed was someone who he really connected with was just so wonderful for both of us. A uh, really good start to our journey and my pregnancy. She was just very matter of fact. Um, birth is birth and uh, this is what we'll do if you're having any troubles, but you know, that shouldn't be the case. Um, so yeah, we, we really loved her. Um, so I guess I can go ahead and fast forward through my pregnancy because it was, I was so blessed with uh, my first pregnancy being very easy. I had a little nausea in the beginning, uh, that went away right at the start of my second trimester. And I was able to continue waiting tables all the way through until I want to say it was like 36, 37 weeks. I planned on working all the way up until the birth, but I went ahead and said, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to take it easy for a couple weeks. So I, I gave away my shifts during those last few weeks and um, just kind of started waiting on baby. And my midwife, I'm sure she asked if I wanted to have a cervical exam and um, my excitement at the end of my pregnancy, I very much wanted to know. So I went in, it was probably for the 38 week appointment and went ahead and had a cervical exam and I was already dilated, which was great news for being a first time mom. And she said, you know, I have a feeling you're gonna come early if you're already dilating, you're looking great. Uh, and then my due date came and went as most first-time moms <laughs> experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was pretty disappointed and had been just holding my breath for two weeks because I thought it was going to be early. Um, she was born, I was 40 and six, I believe. She was due, it was either March, I think it was March 27th. 
And when I found out her due date, all I said was, um, I don't really care when she comes, birthdays or whatever. I would love for her not to be an April Fool's baby, though. Mm-hmm. It's like that just seems, that's just a silly birthday. I don't want kids to like, you know, play tricks on her on her birthday. I just don't want it to be this thing that she grows up with because it's kind of a silly thing. So, of course, my first contraction was the day before April Fool's Day, <laughs> and it was, uh, it woke me, yeah, it was uh, three in the morning, and I don't, I don't think I'd really had any Braxton Hicks or practice contractions or anything up until that point, so it, it definitely woke me up, and I was like, oh, okay, awesome, I know what a contraction feels like, I got really excited, I'm pretty sure I told uh, my husband right away, even though it was in the middle of the night. And then I went back to sleep. Uh, it was really um, sporadic that first day. I took a few walks, walked my dog around our neighborhood and uh, hoped things would pick up and they would while I was walking. And then it's, you know, stretched out and contractions would be 30 minutes apart. Um, this didn't throw me too much, though, because I I'd heard that it can start that way. And then later that night, um, as I hear happens often, you know, it started getting dark. I was cozy in my our apartment and things started to really pick up and I was having to focus on the contractions more and they finally had a pattern. And so probably two, three hours after a good pattern and then singing, seeming to be pretty strong, I um, let my friend know who had moved to Oregon as well. She was going to be at the birth. Uh, she was going to bring her camera and take pictures for me and be there to support me. Um, kind of playing the role of doula, even though that's technically, you know, she's not trained as a doula. That's really the role she, she took on for me. Uh, so she went ahead and left because she lived about an hour and a half away. Um, she came, my midwife, I, I think she sent her uh, apprentice uh, to check me. And so the apprentice showed up and I want to say I was four centimeters, which is what I was when she had checked me and said I was already dilated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was pretty disappointed. Um, you know, I had been having contractions all day. They were spread out, but then I had had a few hours of them being regular. And so I, I was really hoping and thinking like, oh, this is going to be happening soon. This is happening tonight. So she, you know, gave me the orders to try to rest and it's going to happen, but you probably still have a little ways to go. Just get some rest. I um, looking, looking back, it was such an amazing, um, labor and birth experience. And I was just so supported. I had the best team. The only thing that I, I do kind of wish had gone differently is I wish I would have had more encouragement to eat more and to sleep more mm-hmm. because I, I did have a pretty long active labor and my excitement about my first baby coming and all these feelings, it, it made it very hard to sleep. And I wasn't even really thinking about eating. I, I think I had a couple popsicles and like a piece of toast, um, but nothing sustaining, no protein or fat, um, things that really would have helped give me energy for the long run. So 
uh, let's see. I, I rested a little bit. My husband went to sleep. My friend went to sleep. And then I woke up my friend a couple hours into the night and, you know, had her stay up with me. Um, let's say it was about six or seven in the morning when things really seemed like they were getting hard. And I was convinced I had to be so close. Uh, my midwife came again and I was probably five, six at that point. So, you know, she'd really tried to encourage me and say, look, your body has made some great progress. You're getting closer, you know, you're doing great. <laughs> she's, she's going to come. Um, we did know she was a girl, by the way, we had mm -hmm. had an ultrasound at, um, 20 weeks, the anatomy scan and went ahead and found out, um, that was my only ultrasound the whole pregnancy, but we were very excited about knowing she was a girl. Um, so yeah, I was again, pretty discouraged to find out I was only five, six centimeters, but I, you know, just kept working through it. And, um, now that my midwife was there, she was checking me here and there, um, doing those cervical exams to see how far along I was. And at some point I hit eight centimeters and then, um, nothing was really changing. Mm. And so I could tell there was like a, not concern, but maybe a little bit of like a sense of urgency once we realized things weren't really progressing anymore. Um, I was given instructions to do stairs, go up and down stairs in my apartment complex. Um, just all kinds of different positioning type things uh, while I was having contractions to try to encourage baby um, to get into the right position. So yeah, lots of different position, position changes. Um, and I was, I was getting really tired. I was, I had been in active labor since probably, I don't know, 4 PM the day before. And it was, it was rough. I hadn't eaten much. I hadn't rested much. And I felt like I'd been stuck in transition for hours. So I, uh, I'm so grateful that, you know, I had my husband holding my hand through all of it. My friend was by my side the whole time. Um, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot that was changing or looking exciting until I spent some time on the toilet. Uh, the magical toilet <laughs> helped break my water. So I was sitting there having contractions and all of a sudden there was literally an explosion, very dramatic pop. Um, I had no idea it could be like that because it was like, I'm on the toilet, which was convenient, but the water was all over the entire bathroom. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was um, a very exciting moment again, because not much had been changing for the past few hours. And I think that was kind of the turning point. And we, we noticed that things were picking up and she, my midwife saw some changes in my dilation. Um, but again, you know, another hour or so went by and I still wasn't pushing. It's, you know, it still wasn't quite happening. So I didn't know this at the time, but my midwife got out a couple books, uh, started reading some stuff and trying to figure out a way to help because obviously they did not want to take me to the hospital. Um, and what she ended up doing was using one of my sheets on my bed 
to do a rebozo type technique uh, where she had me lay on my back with the sheet underneath my back and she was standing over me and um, she was pretty sure that my baby was like tilted just a little bit to one side to where she wasn't descending properly and putting pressure on my cervix to complete everything. Um, so she was just trying to help get baby to move. So she stood over me, kind of held um, the sheets up. And when I'd have a contraction, she would yank really hard to one side. Um, it did not feel good. It, mm -hmm. you know, obviously I'm in the mm -hmm. middle of having a contraction. Nothing feels good to add to that. Um, but I, we think it works because shortly she did that twice. She did it once felt baby wasn't, didn't, couldn't really tell a difference and did it again. And, um, I think she was like, okay, let's, let's see what happens. I think this might've worked at that point. I could not get out of the bed. Um, the contractions were rolling through me. I felt stuck where I was. I was already on my back and that's where I stayed. I, I remember feeling bummed that I'm like laying in my bed on my back. Cause that's not what, you know, I had read spiritual midwifery and Bradley Meth method and these books that, you know, illustrate squatting and hands and knees, all these different ways to help, um, bring baby down. And I was not planning on being in the bed, but I was, I was done. I was wiped. And so I, I start feeling the urge to push. And so she checks me again and says, there's still cervical lip. Um, she was not really okay with me pushing with what she had found. And so she asked me to try to just keep breathing through those contractions and, um, giving myself a little more time to complete. Um, at some point during that time, her, uh, backup midwife had shown up to help and she ended up during a contraction, helping move that last lip out of the way. Um, knowing what I know now, all of that sounds and feels like a little invasive and a little, uh, kind of over the top instead of just maybe getting me out of the bed or like letting, letting things unfold and, and seeing, you know, what happened. Um, but at the time I was so grateful to be told that it was time to push now and to start working with those pushy contractions. Um, I definitely coached pushing because I was so tired. Um, I, I needed the encouragement to work with my body. Um, and again, I was on my back. So I, I think it, I don't, you know, fetal ejection reflex is great. And I've felt that since then, but at the time, I, I think I really needed to work with those contractions. And I want to say I had to push for about an hour, hour and a half. I had my friend holding back one leg and the apprentice holding back another. And it was the hardest work of my life, but I did it. I pushed her out and I was at home, so she was immediately put on my chest and we didn't leave my bedroom for, you know, a long time after that. And I was so, it was just the most, obviously after finding out I was pregnant with her, it was the most amazing moment of my life to have her in my arms and being able to do that in the comfort of my own home. Um, I felt like a rock star for doing it. I felt blown away that I had been able to do it for as long as I did and could still get her out because I was just so tired. 
Um, and yeah, it was just the time after was so peaceful and just really, really precious and mm-hmm. beautiful for my husband and my daughter, Charlotte and I. Uh, so that's my first birth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'd had a taste of home birth and definitely didn't picture changing it up after that, but we moved back to Georgia. Uh, my husband was a cook at the time. He had worked in restaurants since he was in high school and, um, he had in Portland and we moved back to Georgia and he, uh, got a job in a restaurant there and I was not working. I had continued waiting tables a little bit after my daughter was born and I was having a hard time getting shifts. So I said, you know what? I want to be at home with her anyway. So this is, we're going to make this work for our family. And it, it, it wasn't easy to do with um, a single income, but we did make it work. But all that to say, when we got to Georgia and realized we would have to pay for a home birth out of pocket, um, that changed things for us. So we started looking into our options and what that would look like. And, you know, we were asking midwives, kind of, kind of almost trying to make a decision based on like pricing and who's going to who's going to give us the best deal. Cause that's just where we were. We, mm-hmm. we didn't know how we were going to afford it. Yeah. Um, so ultimately after meeting, um, with a midwife who kind of said some off-putting things and rubbed us the wrong way, we had been saving money for it and then decided to pivot. And I started seeing a group that delivered at a hospital near us that is known for really supporting physiological birth and, and respecting women's birth plans. And they have uh, pools for water birth. And um, so it, it killed me to go that route. But uh, after interviewing the uh, provider there and explaining my story to her and what I wanted out of a birth, uh, she was so supportive of that, that it's, I was like, you know what, this is going to be okay. I, this hospital birth is going to be fully covered by insurance and it's just where we're at as a family right now. So that was, um, that was a hard pill to swallow, but at the same time, it, it seemed like it was going to be okay and it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And so I, um, let's see, I was checked with him. Like I had been with my first, uh, probably around 38 weeks, was told that I was dilated, would probably go early. And, you know, this is your second baby, so things will move quicker. Um, it's gonna be so different from your first time. And it was, but he did not come before my due date. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was, again, so convinced I was gonna have a baby early. He was born 11 days after his due date. And we did this time, we did not know he was a he, we thought it would be fun to have a surprise. Um, so I think that was part of the excitement in the wait. We were, we just could not wait to meet him, uh, this baby. And so that day 11, um, especially with, uh, having a birth planned for a hospital was starting to get stressful because I knew thankfully there hadn't been much talk of induction yet, 
Um, but I, I knew that that was something that would be talked about soon if I didn't go into labor. My midwife did do a membrane sweep. Um, I don't think it did anything and it was painful and I wish I hadn't done it because it just was not a fun thing to do. Um, Cause I think she did it right at 41 weeks. Um, I can't remember exactly when, but I didn't go into labor that day or anything. Um, I just felt crampy and in pain for a few hours after that. And then a few days later, I had a contraction again that woke me up while I was sleeping. This time it was about six in the morning and I have never been more excited in my life to feel pain or discomfort as I was in that moment because waiting for him was just a trip. It was, um, yeah, the anticipation. I've never experienced anything that in my life, even though I've had other babies, this time was just extra hard. Um, so when I had that first contraction, I was elated. I was so happy. I jumped out of bed. I got on the birth ball and was like, all right, just waiting for that second one and praying that it wasn't going to be 30 minutes from the first. And about seven minutes later, I had another one. Second contraction came about seven minutes later and they kept coming and I was so happy. I wasn't really, it seems like I wasn't experiencing any like slow early start like I had with my first, it was really kicking off. Um, so about an hour later, my husband and daughter woke up. I let them know what was going on and we started slowly getting ready to head to my parents' house to drop off my daughter. And I just felt like I was handling it all so well. Um, I was embracing every contraction. I was visualizing um, my cervix opening with each one. And um, that really, those moments of embracing the feeling of a contraction um, set the tone for how I handled the rest of that birth and the consecutive consecutive births after that um, because it, it really worked for me. I Up until transition, it just felt so manageable because mm -hmm. I was happy it was happening. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, which, you know, I didn't with my first, but since I had felt it before and I was so ready for it to be happening again, um, those first few hours of labor just felt like a breeze. It just was you know, it kept getting stronger and stronger and closer together, but I still was just accepting and happy with everyone. Um, so we, we dropped off my daughter with my parents, which was, uh, of course, emotional because she was my first baby and um, we were, you know, ending that time in her life and she was about to be one of two. And I had, if there was anything that I wasn't excited about with having the second baby. It was saying goodbye to that, that phase of my life. Cause it was such a beautiful time um, bonding with her and hanging out with her for those first two years. Um, so I, I was, I was mourning that a little bit um, going into the hospital and saying goodbye to her. Uh, but yeah, things just continued to progress. And I, checked into triage, which was a whole new experience. I had to go into this teeny tiny room and they strapped me to the fetal monitoring. And um, I kept getting very kindly and gently scolded by the nurse to try to hold still so that the, they wouldn't have to keep adjusting the belt, which was very annoying. And I went from, you know, coping so well at 
my house and then my parents' house and just swaying my hips and moving with the contractions and doing what felt right to being told to sit down on this bed. And I was not having it. I was very annoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually I, you know, I got checked and they saw that the contractions were coming and they put me in the labor and delivery room. And the one bummer about, um, water birth at this hospital is they do want you to have the continuous monitoring for 30 minutes before they will allow you to get into the tub. So I'm, things are really picking up and I've got this belt strapped on and they want a good solid reading for 20 to 30 minutes. And it's just not easy to get a good solid reading if you're moving around a lot. And so Mm -hmm. I was sitting at the edge of this bed, just kind of gripping onto the bed and um, had gone from like really feeling like I was in control and like letting them come and feeling good about it to feeling just kind of frustrated. And so out of this whole um, labor and birth, the second one, I, I think that was just the the hardest part out of all of it was the 30 minutes of you need to sit here and <laughs> sit still yeah. for a minute. I um, can imagine. But yeah, it, it just wasn't fun. But they, yeah. I, I got it done. They took the belt off and told me I could get in. And gosh, I jumped in that pool and it was the best relief. I immediately felt so much better and felt like I could go back into relaxing into those contractions um, and then that's when I started to experience how quickly, um, it can all go for your second birth compared to your first. Cause I, I don't know where I thought I was when I got into the pool, but I did not realize I was minutes away from transition. And so I got in and it felt really great for probably 15 minutes. And then all of a sudden I'm on leaning over the side of the pool, grabbing onto my husband, um, having a, you know, just like that slight panic that is easy to feel during transition where I was like, oh my gosh, this just got really, really hard. And wait, I don't know if I can do this. Um, I had a birth photographer for this birth. And those are some of my favorite pictures are transition where I am gripping onto my husband and you just see me doubting everything, but also I'm doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm there and I'm, I'm doing it. I'm bringing my baby. And so I just, I love those pictures so much. I'll cherish those forever. So if anyone's considering having a birth photographer, (laughs) it's definitely (laughs) a good, good investment. Um, So yeah, transition was intense and I, it had been so drawn out with my first that I did not realize how fast things can really get intense and the contractions were on top of each other. It was not stopping. I was not getting a break. Um, so I'm freaking out, not realizing how close I am. And 30 minutes later, I push a baby out into the pool and it was, I definitely can say that time it was more of the fetal ejection reflex because I don't really remember pushing. I just remember a baby coming out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was definitely just a roller coaster of, oh my gosh, these contractions aren't stopping. And then my midwife getting kind of set up up behind me because I was, um, like I said, leaning over the edge of the pool and, um, baby came out, midwife, um, caught him and I turned around and she immediately placed him in my arms and 
it was just so fast and furious there at the end that I just held him close and um, I have this on video. I cried and laughed and was just so happy he was there that it mm. took um, <laughs> probably 15, 30 seconds of just laughing and holding him before my sister who was taking the video was like, is it a boy or a girl? <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the people who were um, witness or watching the birth are the ones who are always like, you got to tell us which one it is. You haven't looked yet. <laughs> I peeked and saw it was a boy and just had a whole new round of emotions and um, laughing and crying um, because I was just so happy. We now had a girl and a boy and, um, yeah, it was just, it was, again, a really beautiful birth. And um, since having a couple more home births since then, I can look back at the pictures in the video and I, I see the nurses using the, um, oh, what's it called? The thing that they squeeze, get the fluids out of his nose and mouth. They did that real quick and, you know, they were wiping him off for me. And, you know, there mm -hmm. were some hands kind of involved, but I, I didn't even really notice them there. Um, so as much as I didn't want that for my following births, I, I didn't really mind in that moment. I was just so happy and he was in my arms and we were in this comfy, warm pool and it was just bliss. Um, so yeah, that was a really, a really beautiful experience. I really, truly hated being in the hospital after that. I think that's where my realization of, oh, this is way different from giving birth at home. Um, where that really hit because all of a sudden there was, you know, now that the hour's up, we need to take him over here and weigh him and do this and that. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to have peed before you can leave this room. And then we're going to check your blood pressure every, however often they do it way too often. Um, mm -hmm. And so many people in and out of our room, once we finally did get settled, I, I was so happy to just be in the bed and kind of cleaned up and comfy. But then we kept having people interrupting when I was sleeping and telling me I, you know, couldn't have baby in the bed with me while I was sleeping. Cause that's a risk. And, you know, I had been in my own bed at home with my daughter after the first, that first birth. So it was definitely different. Um, but still a good mix of, wow, this is so different. And wow, this is so amazing and getting to know my son. So um, we were just very happy to be able to go home. My third um, pregnancy was uh, definitely, my third pregnancy and, and birth was my hardest um, because I found out at the 20 week anatomy scan that my son had a cleft lip, um, which, my brother was born with a cleft lip and palate. Um, so I had heard, you know, the stories of how hard it was to have a baby have to have surgery in their first year of life, um, multiple surgeries actually. And uh, I, I didn't know a ton because I was a little kid when he was born and, you know, I didn't have this like really vivid memory of what that had been like. But when I get any scan done and am told, you know, you, there's definitely a cleft lip. That's, that was my immediate feeling and, and thought is, oh my gosh, I'm growing this baby who's going to be born and is going to have to have surgery. I mean, that, that's just not what anyone wants to find out. 
And so that was, it was a really hard pregnancy emotionally. Um, I had to once again, give up the idea of home birth because I, my husband and I decided right away that uh, we didn't want to be at home in case there were any other, in case he had any other problems. Um, you find out once you start that journey with a cleft baby that um, it's actually tied in with other syndromes and other health issues. Mm-hmm. And um, there's just a higher chance of baby being born and there being something that you, you didn't know about. Um, Mm-hmm. So we, we didn't want to take that risk and we wanted to be in the hospital. Um, I also had a hard time imagining not nursing him. I successfully uh, nursed both my first babies. Um, my daughter, my firstborn, we had a hard time in the beginning uh, for about 10 weeks I, you know, to this day, I don't know what her latch problem was, but, at about 10, 12 weeks, my nipples finally healed and we were able to, um, you know, have a good breastfeeding relationship after that. So whatever it was, it resolved itself, but we had a hard start and then it was great. And then with my second, he was, it was so easy to nurse him from the beginning. And I really, uh, cherished, uh, feeding both of my first babies that way. And so that was one of the first things I thought when they told me, is um, what is that going to look like for feeding? And so I started doing some research and talking to the doctor and I got a lot of feedback that um, cleft babies with the kind that he had can still nurse if they don't have a cleft palate. Um, if it's just their lip, you know, the breast kind of seals in that, um, that cleft spot and they're still able to get a good latch. Um, I think with, with the uncertainty of everything else and kind of the fear and everything I was grappling with, I really held on to that hope of, oh, well, I should still be able to nurse him. Like, this is all going to be okay. At least I'll still be able to nurse him. Mm-hmm. Um, while he was born and he did have a cleft palate, uh, they just couldn't see it in the ultrasounds. So, um, I'll, I'll give his birth story real quick. It was same hospital, same practice. Um, you know, as much as I didn't like the, the annoying parts of being in the hospital, I appreciated being able to have a water birth. Um, I appreciated that they were very open to my birth plan and very supportive of it. So I was, and, you know, they said like, even with him being a cleft baby, there was no reason that they had to not allow a water birth. They were fine with that. Right. Um, How severe was his cleft? Um, so it was only one side and Mm -hmm. from what they could see, it was probably, they said, you know, it looks like only a couple centimeters, like it it looks very mild. And that's part of the reason why I thought I was still going to be able to nurse is they were like looking at these ultrasounds. Um, you know, it's very mild. Surgery's going to be very mild. Everything's, um, but you know, in hindsight, I should have known, like, we're looking at ultrasounds here. We still don't know like exactly what, what we're going to see once he's born. Mm-hmm. Um, and a note on that, he actually, um, when they found out that he had the cleft lip, it was in my regular office and they would not confirm that. They just said, we suspect he has a cleft lip and we're sending you to, you know, the ultrasound specialist that, um, you go get the the better picture and they, 
they're the ones that will tell you for sure. Mm -hmm. So we found out for sure going to see them. And they told us after that first visit that they wanted us back in for an ultrasound maybe every two weeks or every month, very, very often, many of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I had two toddlers at home and, um, so I, my babies are all almost two years apart. Um, so I, I'm like, okay, I have to go into these appointments all the time now. And at that first one, not only did they confirm his cleft lip, but they, um, were concerned. I, I wish I could remember now, but something about my placenta was concerning to them. Um, the growth of his legs, like he, they said one might be slightly off from the other. So they were concerned about that. And the whole experience of going to get this ultrasound was, um, really just a fearful thing where it was a lot of like, Oh, this could be worse or, Oh, we really need Mm -hmm. to like continue to check on this. And I really, um, just had a gut feeling while they were explaining these things to me, I I could just tell like, okay, these are things that could be problems, but you're not telling me it's something that is definitely a problem. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't this like huge sense of alarm or um, this is really serious. It was just more like, this is something we need to keep an eye on. This could turn into something. And so I went home and, um, I actually felt pretty resentful that they had kind of um, stared inside me and tried so hard to find problems um, because that's really what it felt like to me. And I shared my, my heart with my midwife um, and just how I felt about everything. And, and um, you know, obviously they get sent the ultrasound and, and everything that this doctor had said. And she was like, you know what? I, you, this is your decision. You don't have to go get more ultrasounds just because they recommended it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't, I had the anatomy scan and I had the follow-up one and that was it. I said, I'm done. I don't yeah. want my entire, pre- like I'm already upset enough about mm-hmm. um, this. I don't want to spend the rest of my pregnancy in fear because they are looking, trying to find something else wrong. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say that that's what every parent should choose. Um, but for us, it was the right move. And I'm, I'm so glad that's the decision I made because, um, yeah, I had a lot to, I had a lot to process emotionally and I'm glad I gave myself the space to do that away from, you know, the speculation of the ultrasounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had continued to go to those, maybe they would have spotted the palate at some point as he got bigger, who knows? Um, but yeah, that's, so what we knew, you asked how severe it was. We, from those two ultrasounds, they, they just saw a mild cleft on one side, mm-hmm. his, uh, his left side. And so when he was born, um, it, it was finding out that he had the palate was intense. Um, And then also, you know, a baby, when they are first crying and screaming in those moments, um, when they do wake up and cry a little bit, um, it it was, it was pretty intense for both my husband and I to see that cleft and to see it open and just 
out in the light and just seeing like, this is, this is his face, you know, like mm-hmm. he, I want to be honest about my, my reaction to this because, um, in the cleft Facebook group I was in and, you know, following different people on Instagram, it's all about like their cleft smile and like grieving when they don't have that smile anymore after the surgery. And my baby's so beautiful, even, even with their cleft lip and all of that was entirely true for my son too. Um, but when he was first born and handed to me, it's still, it's hard for that not to be a shock. Mm-hmm. Um, after having two babies who, you know, didn't have any issues like that. It was, it was definitely hard for that not to be a shock. It was mm-hmm. a jolt for both my husband and I to see the severity of it. It still, you know, was just one side and it was mild. Um, but we saw that that cleft, um, when he started crying, we saw that it went up into his gum line and then the doctors, uh, they put their fingers in his mouth and could tell right away that it was in his palate as well. Um, so I, I kind of jumped ahead. His, his birth was pretty straightforward, just like my second um, contraction started the same way. We may have gone in, we went in a little bit earlier to the hospital this time um, my, with my second, uh, but from the time we went in and checked in to triage to the time he was born, it was like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. Okay. Um, so it, it, it seemed pretty fast. It seemed yeah. like, okay, get the, get the reading, get in the pool. And then, oh my gosh, baby's here. Yeah. So I kind of wanted a little more time in the hospital. Um, right. So we went in a little earlier this time, but because of that, we got checked, I got checked in triage and the nurse said, okay, you're four, almost five. Um, stay here in triage. You can walk around a little bit if you want and I'll check you again in an hour, however long it was. Um, so she checked me again. She said, uh, I guess you're a five now, but things aren't really, there's not really a lot happening. Um, you know, at this point, I feel like you'd probably, your best bet would be to go ahead and leave. And like, are you close to your house? Maybe you could labor at home for just a little longer. And I remember in that moment, um, right before she had checked me the second time, I had felt a change. I had felt things starting to get more intense. Um, I just felt a shift. Mm -hmm. And so I was really surprised to hear her say that. I could not believe she was telling me to go home. I was like, wait, what? Like, okay, I feel like I'm going to be having a baby here soon. Mm -hmm. Um, But I uh, doubted myself. And I said, okay, like, you know, my parents lived 15 minutes away from the hospital since they were super close, I was like, whatever, it's fine. We'll go back home. It was pretty late. They were asleep. My um, kids were asleep at their house. Uh, So we went ahead and went back. Gosh, um, I want to say it was around 11 PM, maybe 1030, 11 PM that Mm -hmm. we headed back to my parents' house. I'm continuing to feel things intensify and I'm really having to focus on them um, we get to my parents' house and I'm like, uh, like the whole, I kept saying things to my husband the whole time. Like, I don't know if we should just turn around and go back. Like, I'm just really doubting this, like being here instead of being at the hospital. And so an hour after we got to my parents' house, we turned around and went back and pretty much the second I sat down in 
my dad's BMW, I started feeling pushy and was like, oh no, uh, <laughs> I should have listened to my gut on this and stayed at the hospital. And so my husband's like running red lights and trying to get to the hospital as fast as we can. And mm-hmm. we get, we pull up and he pushes the button and on the intercom and asks for a wheelchair. And I remember being like, what's a wheelchair? We'll just go in. Like, what are you talking about? And I can't get out of the car because I'm in transition and they're mm-hmm. stacked on top of each other. And so I definitely needed that wheelchair. Um, they, you know, ran out with the wheelchair. I get in it. I have terrible wheelchair contractions rushing into the hospital. Um, I guess we skipped triage at that point um, because mm-hmm. I had already kind of been checked in. I'm not sure how that works, but they, they rushed me back to a room because they could see, um, I think they could see that I wasn't really getting any breaks. The contractions were on top of each other. So without even being checked, they went ahead and checked me into a labor and delivery room. Um, I get out of the wheelchair onto the bed. They, the, the lights are on because, you know, I have just gotten there. All of the very bright hospital lights are on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's people rushing around trying to set up a tub for me. The nurse comes in and she's the same nurse who had sent me home. And she's kind of got this like frantic look in her eyes. And she was like, oh my gosh, like you, you're back already. You did tell me things were kind of feeling like they were picking up. And I'm like, you know, like I told you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And let's see, she checked me or I I guess it's not the, no, it was a nurse who checked me, I think. Um, Anyway, somebody checked me and told me that I was seven centimeters. And I remember thinking, what? Like seven centimeters. I'm a, I feel like I'm about to push out this baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said that right after they told me I was seven centimeters. The next contraction I had, I don't think I said, I feel like I need to push. I think I said, I am pushing. And, you know, I see my tub that I really wanted to deliver in, like in the corner, starting to get blown up or set up in whatever way they are. And I'm like, well, great. All the like lights are on. They're, they're running around calling the midwife. Um, I'm like half on the bed, half off. So the nurse keeps telling me to get fully on the bed. So I don't like push out the baby onto the floor. It was just a frantic mess. Um, Mm -hmm. and a few contractions later, again, fetal ejection reflex. I really did not do much of anything. He was born onto the bed. Um, and then that whirlwind of, how severe his cleft was and everything immediately is discovered. He, um, they think he aspirated. So they took him away from me almost right away. We're trying to clear him and help him out a little bit. And they did bring him back and let me hold him for a little bit after that, but they ultimately decided they wanted him in NICU. Mm. Um, I think it was a combination of, thinking that he had aspirated, um, O2 levels and, um, the cleft palate. I don't know if it's standard for uh, cleft palate babies to have to spend any spend time in the NICU, but they, I know that part of the decision was wanting to make sure that he could feed well. Um, so they, they wanted to go ahead and start that process in NICU and just make sure that he was, he was eating well before, um, he came to be with me. Mm-hmm. So that was, it was a very fast and furious and intense start to his life because mm-hmm. we pulled up to the hospital and he was born nine minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that was a big lesson for me. Um, 
not just in birth, but in general, when uh, he was born that quickly after they had sent me home, I, you know, was pretty hard on myself after that, that I, I hadn't um, just said no when they said go home. Um, you know, cause I, I like having my babies at home, but we had decided for a specific reason to have this one in the hospital. And I could tell that things were getting more intense and I said, okay, anyways. And I trusted the nurse who was thinking in her head of a specific pattern that she sees often in the hospital, instead of me trusting myself and my body and knowing what, what it felt like. And yeah. Uh, so I, I, I was disappointed in myself and I was disappointed in the nurse. Um, she did apologize. She was very sweet. She totally took ownership. Um, after he was born, she came in and said, I'm so sorry. I sent you home. You told me that you felt like you had, you'd felt a difference and I didn't listen to that. And, you know, I just really wanted to apologize. So I'm glad she did. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I wish things had been with, with how hard it was, um, with his NICU stay, which was thankfully only a day. Um, but that was really hard on me emotionally. I, I wish he had had a more peaceful entrance into the world and, instead of rushing into the hospital and all the lights being on and mm-hmm. um, all of that. It's definitely not what I, what I had pictured for him. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was an intense start and we just took it all in stride and I had to very quickly uh, say goodbye to the idea of nursing him because um, you know, I asked them straight up in NICU. I said, so what are my chances of nursing working, which I had been trying to um, after mm-hmm. he was born. They said, uh, he, he's got a cleft palate. He's, there's no way that he's going to be able to latch appropriately and, and pull milk from your breast. He just, he can't. Um, and they said, feel free to continue to, to put him on the breast, uh, just, you know, for bonding purposes. Um, but for me, I, you know, everybody's different, but for me personally, I, uh, I, I needed that. I needed, um, to have like all or nothing. So it was like, either I'm nursing him or I'm feeding him a bottle and connecting him with him in that way, because I can't, I can't put him to my breast and it not be something that's working. That's going to be too emotional for me because it was already very emotional to have to, um, come to grips with the fact that I wouldn't be nursing him. Yeah. So, yeah, started pumping in the hospital and I, um, exclusively pumped for about five months. Um, but once my supply started to dip around five months, I realized, um, once I was having to use my frozen milk, I realized my milk was high life, lipase, lipase. I'm not sure how you say that. Lipase. Um, lipase. Yeah. So he, my milk once, um, frozen, took on a really weird flavor and he was uh, rejecting it. And so I had a huge stash of milk in my freezer because, you know, your supply is so, I I was getting so much in the beginning that I was able to freeze a ton and didn't know uh, that that was the case, that it would taste wrong. Um, (laughs) So I spent all this time pumping and absolutely hating it. I hated every moment of pumping. Um, and then I had a freezer full of milk that I couldn't use. So for a while I was mixing fresh and frozen and he would accept that. Um, but then once I decided to be done pumping because it was 
extremely stressful for me that my supply was dipping. I was, I was doing the crazy, like different pumping schedules where I can't even remember what it's called now, but there's something where you like pump for 30 minutes and then take an hour break and then pump again. And it was just like nonstop pumping. And I had two toddlers and a baby that I was taking care of. And, um, yeah, it was a lot. And it, it Mm -hmm. had, it had been something that was really hard for me the whole way through. So towards the end, when I was trying to get my supply to come back up, I, I finally said, I, I just can't do this anymore. I've, I've got to just accept that this is where my pumping journey ends. Um, so yeah, he, I felt really good about the fact that he got a good solid six months of breast milk before we had to switch to formula, but yeah, it was a whirlwind trying to feed him. He, um, needed to try different kinds of bottles in the beginning. He was not gaining weight. I was having to drive to our uh, children's hospital in the city, which is about, you know, it's like 40 minutes from us, um, very often in the beginning, just to make sure that we figured out a way to, to get him to eat efficiently so that he would start putting on weight. And, um, you know, then he had his, uh, lip surgery when he was about five months old. Uh, which he handled so well. I was so amazed. Um, it was a, hard on me and my husband and him, but I just was shocked at how well he took it, how he was just smiling and happy and fine hours later. Uh, my surgeon, his surgeon was amazing. And overall for how much fear there was about that experience that it really, you know, it was quick um, and he healed really well and quickly afterwards. And then the palate, which is the more intense surgery was around nine months. And, um, again, a lot of fear going into that, just mainly about how a little baby is going to handle that much pain and how we were going to stay on top of it and, uh, what that recovery was going to look like for him. But he was just such a trooper. They, they told us that he was handling it so well after he woke up, we got to leave way earlier than they said we would. And, um, so he's just such a strong little dude. And we were, we were so amazed by him that whole first year and continue to be, but especially cause he's a middle kid. So he's, um, he's constantly fighting for attention and he's just so intense and <laughs> amazing. But, um, after, um, my third birth with it being very, uh, just kind of unexpected in the way everything happened and, you know, having nine minutes from car to birth, getting into the hospital. Um, it it just was not the birth story that I was hoping for. I, I felt kind of like an experience was, was robbed from me. And, um, you know, my son is amazing and, uh, I love him to death and I loved his first year, and I learned so much as a parent, um, parenting him in that first year. But I have to say there was a part of me um, that even though I, we didn't have a specific amount of kids that we had planned or wanted, after that birth, I had this desire that I wasn't talking about a lot, but I, I had this desire for a healing birth experience, I guess, after that. I really wanted another chance to um, birth naturally in a more peaceful setting, be able to nurse. Um, I just, you know, that 
kind of thought and desire didn't really go away after I had a more difficult experience with him. And so, um, like clockwork, like I said, my babies are about two years apart. Um, I was pregnant again. Uh, this time they were going to be a little closer. They're 18 months apart. Um, so he was, my third son was due in May and he was due, um, my fourth son was due in November, a year and a half later. I was pretty busy uh, during my pregnancy. My older two, I homeschool, and so my older two were um, having a lot of fun at our like homeschool nature group, and we were doing that every week. And um, my baby boy, I guess toddler now, was always on my hip in the sling, and we were just doing our thing, busy with um, that a lot of the time. And it was actually really fun. I led our nature group. So I, I taught like a little lesson to the kids um, two days before my due date. And since my um, other babies were born a few days after my due date, I had gone into this like, I'm expecting to be at least a week past my due date just so that I'm not disappointed or hoping for something sooner than that. And of course, um, once I finally settled into accepting being late with all my babies, I had a baby come a couple days early. So I led this nature group, um, didn't feel really any signs of anything coming. I think I was actually asked that by one of my friends while we were there. She said, do you, do you feel like labor's going to happen soon? Where, how are you feeling? I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really feel anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I get into the car to take my kids home and almost immediately after I've sat down, I have a contraction and, you know, it was that moment of, wait a second, was that, that a real thing? And then a few minutes later I had another one and, uh, just got the ball rolling again. And, um, this time I, I had met with home birth midwives and it was really, um, that experience of going into this cozy home birth midwife office and having nice long appointments chatting with them was um, such a comfort and just such a nice change from um, the hospital births that I had had. I really liked my midwives from the hospital, but it's just such a different experience. It just feels way more personal and way more connected um, doing it with, with the home birth midwives, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I had a great team with the two of them and, you know, we had talked about my previous births and my expectations for this one. And really, um, the, mer- the midwife who ended up attending this birth, she had said, you know, this is your fourth baby. I've fully anticipate. I'm just going to be there to kind of hang out and, and watch and just, you know, be in the background. I, you know, I'm going to let you do your thing. And that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted someone to say, you know, you know how to do this. I'm just going to be there to support. And so, um, I let them know that I was having contractions. I get home with my babies and I'm by myself for a little bit, hanging out with them, just bouncing on the birth ball and, um, feeling those emotions. I feel every time with my current baby about to, not be the baby anymore and just kind of cuddling with him. And, uh, 
I ended up spending almost the entire labor sitting either in this comfy chair in my room or on the birth ball. Um, as much as I was excited and it, you know, accepting of the contractions and everything I was feeling, I was pretty taken off guard uh, going into labor two days before my due date. I did not really feel ready. Like I just didn't, I had everything ready technically, I guess, you know, in my room and um, all the logistics were good to go. But I, emotionally, I think I, I was a little um, surprised by that. And so I, um, <laughs> I kind of, I almost want to say like I was sitting to just like hold him in as long as I could. It was kind of a, let's take this slow. I know how fast and furious this can be um, with each baby. They were coming faster. Mm-hmm. And so um, the hours ticked by and, you know, overall it was probably um, about a six, seven hour labor. And I just felt the intensity while rocking on the ball and um, swaying my hips. And I even had my midwife peeked in my room once and said, are you just going to sit the whole time? Do you want to, you know, get up at some point? It will happen faster. And I was like, I I know I'm avoiding the toilet. I'm avoiding walking around. I'm just kind of enjoying letting this happen slowly. Um, But eventually I did go ahead and tell my husband, um, these are getting really hard. It's getting intense. Uh, Fill up our bathtub so I can get in the bath and just have a little bit of relief. And um, so he did that. He filled up the tub for me and I got comfortable in there. I'd say I get got comfortable. The water felt really good, but a um, bathtub in your home is definitely different from a birth tub. It does not allow as much water to be in it and there's mm-hmm. not as much space. So I found pretty quickly that that's um, not the same experience, but I was close enough at that point that uh, there was no getting back out because I, I felt pretty stuck. I felt like I was, I was in there for the rest of the time and, so I just worked my best to kind of keep my, my belly and everything under in the water. And, um, again, my, my midwife was, I wasn't, I wasn't really super aware of her presence. She'd peek in here and there. So I, I knew that, you know, she was in the space in some capacity, but I, you know, my husband and I were just doing our thing. And, um, just like the last couple of times I went from this is really manageable to, oh my gosh, this is really hard. And about five contractions later, I'm pushing out a baby into the bathtub. And my husband and I were the first ones um, to touch him. And I brought him to my chest myself. And it was just such a after the last birth, it was such a, um, gosh, it's so hard to put words to this, um, ordinary thing. It was just like a, I have birthed my baby. I'm holding my baby. I'm meeting my baby, which is just amazing every time, but it just felt like just kind of going through these motions of like, this is how babies are born. And here we are instead of the frantic, um, energy that I had felt the last time that was like, oh my gosh, a baby is coming and it's this big, chaotic, frantic, all the right people need to be there um, kind of thing. And this time it was just, I'm the one doing this. My partner is here supporting me and that's that. 
and he, he was there and he was beautiful and they helped me out of the tub to the bed. Um, this time more so than my previous births, I was more aware of that fourth stage and, um, needing to deal, no, sorry, not fourth, third stage, needing to deal with the placenta and, um, birthing that. And I had not really, um, I guess, learned a whole lot about how to manage that myself ahead of time. It was something I was aware of, but I didn't put much thought into specifics. And my midwife had to ask a few times, like, you know, are you feeling um, contractions? Are you, are you feeling like it's time for that yet? And we got to probably an hour after I delivered my baby and I still was not feeling ready, I guess, to birth the placenta. Um, honestly, I, since then I can look back and say, like, I just, I wanted to just be resting with my baby and, and didn't, wasn't ready to like stand up and put in any specific work to delivering the placenta. And I think the reason why is because, um, in my previous births, since it just wasn't something that was talked about or presented to me as something that I really needed to actively um, be a part of. I just didn't know like what was expected of me in that time. I was laying back and trying to push, but it just was not, it just wasn't working. And so in the end, my midwife, um, she did very gently and carefully um, use some traction on the cord and, and help me deliver the placenta. But afterwards I was, um, I was disappointed that I had needed so much assistance with that and that it was such a thing that we needed to keep kind of checking in and has that happened yet? Has that happened yet? I just really wanted to be enjoying that time uh, with my baby immediately after the birth. Mm -hmm. um, so the reason I share that is just to kind of um, set myself up for my last birth where that was a completely different experience for me. So yeah, baby number four, very unremarkable birth. Every birth is remarkable, but it was just very <laughs> cut dry, had contractions. Um, the contractions birthed a baby and it was just a really beautiful experience. And it really was the healing experience that I was looking for after um, my third birth. And he breastfed like a dream, absolutely no issues there, which... Um, was definitely emotional for me that that first latch and having that connection again. Um, yeah, there's there's nothing like it uh, bringing your baby to your breast um, that first mm -hmm. time. So totally after after missing that with my third, it was it was very emotional emotional and very um, very beautiful. Um, so yeah, he. he <laughs> he's a wonderful little boy as well. He's was very chill in his first year and we always uh talked about that and said he was so easygoing and then he turned one and now he's a toddler and we've never used that word chill since then so <laughs> <laughs> we, we crack up at ourselves for saying we called him laid back during his first year so I um I'm one of those moms that like I I hear women when they say like my baby was born and they screamed or they came out and they were acting like this. And now they are that person. Like they're five years old and they're still that baby. 
Um, and I totally believe that and believe that, you know, people experience it that way. Mm-hmm. But for me, I have definitely had babies where I'm like, oh, this easygoing nature and just eats and sleeps and is so laid back. And then I realize at about, you know, nine to 12 months old that, wait a second, this is your personality is really starting to shine through and it's not what I thought it was. <laughs> You're really waking up. Um, so that's just a, a different rabbit hole. But uh, again, like clockwork, I, I found out I was pregnant um, in January after um, that previous November, my son had turned one. And a little side note here, the day that I found out I was pregnant with him, was the same day that I paid to start the Birth Warrior Project. Mm, Um, I had kind of had it on my heart um, for a few years now to uh, get involved in birth work. And I had had a couple people ask me if I wanted to be a midwife. And, you know, I don't know if that's ever something I'll pursue down the road, but... um, I was very quick to answer that with also raising a family and homeschooling that I wanted to do something that I felt um, required a little less like education to get started. I wanted to get into birth work and then see where it took me from there. So my, uh, I attended my sister's birth and her midwives uh, actually were the ones who suggested any birth to me. And I had done some research and, um, you know, had my consultation with someone and yeah, it was a, it was a big decision for me because I had a one-year-old and three others and I wasn't quite sure how I was going to make it work, but I was committed and excited to get started. And I, um, I did it. I hit pay and was super excited. And a few hours later, I was like, you know what, it's, I'm a few days past my period, like I'm always very aware of ovulation and, you know, it was on my radar that I felt like I had, I was going a little later than normal. So I was like, I'll just take a pregnancy test just to, for that ease of mind. And I was pregnant Mm. and my, one of my first, obviously first things first, I'm so excited. Another baby, you know, this is amazing. I can't believe my body can do this, you know, my fifth baby, but, um, also (laughs) very quickly, quickly was like, I just signed up for this four month program to, um, study, to become a doula. How am I, I'm pregnant. How am I going to do this? Like I, I have four other kids and now I'm pregnant and planning on starting a career. I'm not, I'm not sure what this is going to look like now. So, um, there was definitely a moment of, do I go back and, tell them I messed up and I need my money back and I'm going to have to do this another time. You know, what, what am I going to do here? But I, um, I just sat with it for a few days and ended up realizing that for me, I really think that was a God moment. Uh, the fact that how aware I am of my date of ovulation and like a a missed period the fact that I was probably four days past like okay you're you you're definitely out of that window and I hadn't taken a pregnancy test yet Mm -hmm. and I wasn't thinking about it and went ahead and made that commitment to the birth warrior project and then found out I was pregnant I just I think the timing of it was definitely divine and definitely meant to be 
because I am so happy I completed it. And I don't, if I had gone through that pregnancy and birth and started parenting five kids, I don't know when I would have decided it was the best time to do it. Cause when is the best time when right. you have kids to start mm-hmm. a career? There just isn't one. Right. So anyways, that's a um, different thing, but I, I just thought I should throw that in there. Anyone who's considering starting something like that it you know if it feels like the right time make it be the right time I my husband committed to supporting me through that and so did my family and we've made it work um mm-hmm. but I you know even though I did feel that way and felt like that was um kind of divine intervention there I I did still have many moments throughout the pregnancy where I was like okay I am exhausted I'm trying to stay awake at bedtime to study and read and watch these videos, but I need to sleep. And, and it was a lot of work. It was, it definitely ended up taking me longer than I expected. And, um, I more than any other pregnancy was as much as I love growing babies and feeling them move and connecting with them that way. I was ready to be able to be awake and um, just kind of have my body back and um, which was I think it was a good moment for me because I had loved pregnancy so much up until that point Um, I don't want to say I judged women for comments like that but I definitely just didn't understand it I didn't understand when women would say things like I'm just ready to not be pregnant anymore I want my body back I want my life back I I never understood that because it it just Mm -hmm. feels like such a blessing to be growing a baby, but, um, that pregnancy really opened my eyes to different experiences and just where different women are, um, in their lives. And, um, going forward, I will definitely have more compassion for those types of comments. Cause I know everybody's just in there in different places when they're pregnant. Yeah. And, um, I definitely was with this one. I, I was in the thick of it with toddlers and, homeschooling them and also studying so it was it was a lot of work and when we approached September which is um when he was due he was due September 11th actually uh which again back to my first baby uh being due right before April Fool's Day I was in my head like okay I just any other due date but September 11th just feels like a weird birthday like I know it would be fun (laughs) but I'd rather yeah. September 11th. Totally. Um, and another funny thing, I, my friend I was talking about earlier, she, I texted her a picture of my pregnancy test and her response was to send me a picture of her pregnancy test. She and I were pregnant with our fifth babies and do one day apart. Oh, wow. And we just had so much fun with that. We're um, friends across country. She, lives on the west coast I'm here in Georgia and um it still was just so fun for us to talk back and forth about just being in those exact same places in pregnancy the entire way through and uh, we've continued to do so with our babies so that was just so cool and um finding out I was pregnant with a fifth was like a really big and overwhelming moment and being able to do it alongside a friend just made it um easier and enjoyable and really fun so we didn't plan it but I highly recommend planning being pregnant with friends it's super <laughs> fun. 
Um, so I, let's see, um, I'm going to blank about how labor started with him. So instead of going there, I'll just say that I, with plans and with prenatal care for his birth, I went to the same home birth midwives cause I'd had such a good experience with them, but I was doing the birth warrior project during pregnancy. So I was learning things like um, hand, how to manage your own placenta delivery. And um, I was thinking more because of Marin about, you know, who is touching my newborn once they're born and what I wanted that to look like. And really just um, taking way more time to think about all of the specifics surrounding my birth and those immediate days after my baby was born, because I realized that even though I had had these natural births and I had had home births, that there were still so many um, birth options, I guess, that I had not really looked at as options. They just were kind of go through the motions. This is what you do. Your baby's born. Someone puts their hands on your baby for APGAR, for whatever they need to check out, um, breathing, all those things. And I'd never thought about it as something that is an option. You know, I can look at my baby and say, he's doing great. She's doing great, whatever. And and kind of hold off on anyone else, um, interfering. And so that was really fun for me to be studying birth while pregnant because it just was giving me some things to think about. And, um, yeah, the delivering the placenta was definitely one of them. I told them, um, when we were getting closer to birth, like I, I appreciate your help and there's a good chance I'll ask for it. But this time I really want to fully deliver this baby placenta, everything on my own, um, up and like all the way up to like, don't even offer me a towel, (laughs) you know, like I will ask for this. I will ask for that. Like, I'd want to feel like everything is in my power and in my control and that it's me and my husband. And, you know, I just don't want hands or other things involved. And so I was really, really excited about, um, this birth and it just going the way, you know, that I wanted it to. And thankfully i was able to have that, you know, I know a lot of people make those plans and it doesn't always work out that way, but I had another very straightforward labor. Um, the main difference was my water broke, uh, before I started having contractions, which has never happened to me before. Um, I'm assuming a contraction is what broke my water, but I was sleeping and woke to feeling a jolt in my body. And when it, when it jolted and I opened my eyes, my very first thought was why, what, like what happens I'm so confused. And then my next thought was, could that have been my water breaking? And then a second later I felt water. So it was, pretty amazing to be uh, woken up that way and to start labor that way just because you know this is my fifth time doing it and all of the times before my water had not broken until I was um, either in transition or in that pushing phase so um, I actually started labor this time even though I felt so prepared um, with a pretty heavy dose of fear of things moving 
too fast. Um, my friend who was due the day before me actually had her baby four days before me. And she had had a lot of early labor. Um, I want to say two weeks or so of contractions off and on, uh, just which (laughs) I going through it with her. I know it was not easy. She, it's just a crazy mind game. Um, especially with your fifth, like, okay, this could be real at any moment, but it's not real yet. Like, it's just, it's hard going through those early labor contractions and it not Mm -hmm. resulting in a baby. Yeah. Um, And when it finally did, she also was woken up in the middle of the night by her water breaking. And for her, her water broke. And I, hopefully I'm not getting this wrong, but I think 30 minutes later, her baby was there Mm. and um, she was happy baby was there, but it was definitely like intense and fast. And oh my gosh, um, it went from these spread out, contractions and is this really happening to being woken up by her water breaking and then baby being there minutes later Mm -hmm. and so four days later when I woke up to my water breaking um we had had these you know we kept joking these twin experiences this twin pregnancy and um you know we had joked this whole time that our births were going to be exactly the same and then you know mine's starting the same way that hers did so uh, my, my first reaction was definitely fear of, okay, I'm not ready to have this baby in 30 minutes. Like I, I, everyone's sleeping. I just did not think it was going to go this way. Um, I had to take really focus on breathing and calming down and being okay with whatever that experience was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And thankfully it did not, it did not work that way for me. I, actually did not even really have an immediate contraction after that. I just kind of sat around waiting for one. Um, It was funny. It was since it was still early, it was probably four or five in the morning. I lit candles and kind of got ready to just, I was making my room just a birthing space and preparing. And those candles went out way before baby came just because I, you know, it started off slower than I expected it. But it was really peaceful and I was alone for the first couple hours, just kind of waiting for things to pick up. And, um, I didn't even wake up my husband cause you know, I've done this before. I might as well let him sleep if nothing's happening. So he, he woke up at his usual time and saw the candles lit. I was like, wait, what's going on? Are you in labor? <laughs> cause he knew, he knew that the candles I had bought specifically for if, I was delivering at night. And so he, he knew what was going on once I had him lit. Um, so that was kind of a funny way to tell him it was happening. And, uh, let's see, it was really spread out in the beginning. I had a contraction maybe 20 minutes after my water broke and then they started coming regular ish about eight minutes apart. Um, I'm timing them, hoping that things are going to kind of pick up at that point. I, I thought it was going to be fast and then it was going slow. So I was confused. My kids woke up and I told them a baby was coming and everyone's excited. And we just kind of walked around our house waiting for, you know, that shift and that change. And I even have a funny picture of wearing my fourth in a sling 
while I'm in labor, I'm just kind of walking around holding him in the sling and waiting for things to feel like I couldn't do something like that. Um, and eventually they did. And I let my midwife know that it was definitely going to be happening soon. And she said, just let me know when baby came, she just sat in her car and, you know, I told her I'd wanted my space. And so she respected that and she was able to, you know, get work done, whatever she was doing. And then she came in to check on me and I, uh, I definitely, I didn't want to be quite so passive with this labor as I was with my last. I had felt kind of silly about just sitting that whole labor and, and trying to make things uh, go slower. I, you know, just, I was ready to experience it this time. And so I, I walked around, I got on the ball. I um, just kind of did what my body was asking me to do. And um, this time I was not planning on having a water birth just because after the experience of being in my pretty small tub, the last time I didn't like how hard it was to get into a comfortable position. Um, and I, uh, not have to be in the water. And I had, I had watched so many birth videos, um, in that course that weren't in the water that I was like, you know what, that let's, let's try it this way. Um. The water feels great, but my tub's not comfortable. I'm just going to stay out of it. So it was funny. I, I spent a lot of time on my knees on the side of my bed, just kind of holding onto my bed and, and um, bearing through it there. And once we started getting close and I could tell I was, I was in transition and um, baby was starting to descend, I, I questioned my decision a couple of times and started talking about the tub and I think I even asked my husband to start filling it up at one point and then again realized, okay, no, I'm stuck. I am where this baby is going to be coming out. Like I'm not going anywhere. Um, so that was me on the side of my bed with my husband sitting on the bed. And, you know, he, he kn knew at this point that my presence was needed, but he didn't really need to do anything unless I asked for it. And I, um, I do have to say, I don't know if it's because if it was my fifth and my body has gone through it so many times, or if it was because I wasn't in the water, but the pushing stage was a little harder this time than it had been for me. It, I think I ended up, um, working with those contractions more than I had in the past, just because it was hurting. It wasn't just like happening and hard and intense, but it, it was painful. And I was like, oh my gosh, like thinking that this baby was going to be huge. I was just wondering what is going on. This hurts. And so I, I was definitely actively pushing once I felt him coming because I, I was ready for him to be born. Um, I mean, again, I'm, there's no way of knowing why that was. It could have been positioning. It could have been not being in the water. Um but he, yeah, he was, he was hard to push out. I, one of the first things I said, um, I guess I won't skip ahead, but he, he was very straightforward. I, I helped with the contractions, felt that ring of fire for a few seconds, um, felt his head, um, fully emerge and then worked with the next contraction to continue pushing him out. And, uh, that was my only baby who was born directly into my arms without my husband's hands being right there or 
a midwife or anyone um, too close. And it, man, it was, it was really amazing to, to just see him and touch him and everyone just be witness to that. Um, He looked perfect. We were also surprised with this one. And my oldest daughter was really hoping for a she, uh, but no one was surprised when I held him up and said, of course, it's another boy. So <laughs> I laughed at that because he's my fourth boy. Um, and yeah, he had a court, a court, a short cord. So not only was I very aware of my placenta because I had prepared for that, but now I also had the extra motivation because I could not bring him up very high. I was just kind of crouching over him and not able to bring him up onto my body. And so pretty immediately after, um, you know, making sure he was okay and he was making noises and I could tell he had good color and, um, I was drying him off a little bit. I, I felt my first contraction after he had come, which was about five minutes later. And I felt the cord. I could see that it had lengthened a little bit. And I just knew, I knew with that first contraction, um, the placenta has detached and I can do this whenever I'm ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I went ahead and since, okay, I see bud, since I wanted to be able to hold my baby and have him close and because I wanted to be the one in charge of that delivery, I said, all right, we're doing this now. I think I waited for the next contraction, which came a couple minutes later and I grabbed onto the cord. Um, I didn't do anything crazy with it. I just kind of helped guide it while I was pushing and, um, I think I was just like so hyper-focused on it that I forgot like a, like a bowl and or something like that would be handy and just kind of plopped it out on the <laughs> Chuck's pad on the floor and it was like, oh, wait, you guys, I just, just delivered the placenta. I need a bowl. Uh, so that was, did it. Um, but I have to say, pleading that on my own was one of the most empowering things as a doula that I, I really um, am excited to bring up to my clients that they, you know, get to be a part of that and that it completes the birth. And it really is special to um, be the one listening to your body because it's not, it's not an obvious, um, I guess that's not the right way to put it, but when you're in labor and you're waiting for your baby to come, you've got these contractions rolling through you that are just kind of doing it. And then when it comes to the placenta, um, there's actually kind of some focus that is just a different level where you really do have to be involved and it has to be, you know, it's not just going to come out if you're not involved in that. And so that really was special to me um, to have that practice of feeling in my body is it time? Am I ready? Did I feel that correctly? And just trusting that and going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just really encourage um, women, no matter what that looks like, to be involved in that process um, because it was really special for me. Mm. <sighs> yeah, that's, that kind of completes all five births. I know that was a lot for one <laughs> one go. No, but I, awesome. I really wanted to share all of them. Um, a big reason was because 
the last one was kind of like my my end goal after the first four I learned each each birth has taught me something and each birth um kind of gave me another thing that I wanted to work for in the next one Mm -hmm. and um yeah it was just it was such an amazing experience that fifth birth just really listening to my body the whole way and um everyone listening to me and respecting my wishes and that birth and that environment. So yeah. Beautiful. Well, Kara, thank you so much for sharing all five of your stories. Um, And yeah, I, I genuinely appreciate you. Thank you so much for allowing me to hold space for you. Um, And yeah, it's truly an honor to have you here. And is there any last parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, um, I know this is talked about a lot in Indie Birth and kind of one of their biggest things, but I'm just going to reiterate it that um, really leaning into your intuition and um, listening to your body and listening to your gut and really learning how to trust yourself is um, the best preparation that you can do going into the journey of parenthood because there is so much, so many decisions that have to be made as a parent uh, for your children and for yourself that starting off that way while you're pregnant and in the birth experience is just the best way to set yourself up for um, your lifetime as a parent. Well, thank you so much for that. And yeah, thank you so much again for being here today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change. One that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration, introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.